Hey everyone, welcome to episode number 81 of the Lift Free and Diet Hard podcast. I'm your host, Andrew Coates, and I've got my pal, Mike Isertel. Dr. Mike Isertel back for another uh, guest appearance. He's been on a whole bunch of times, the old format too. And uh, God, I hope you guys know who Mike is. Co-founder of Renaissance Periodization, there's a whole bunch of cool stuff there. And uh, Mike's here to entertain and educate, hopefully a lot of both. So welcome back. Thanks for having me back, man. It's good to chat with you. Well, you do more podcasts than almost anybody, so... Uh, you know, I always appreciate the fact you'll still take the time, right? I know you're very giving with it. Um, and so I'll, I'll cut right to it. You know, I, I like what you guys do with RP. I like what you do with the brand. And you guys have been really dedicated to serving certainly your community, um, you know, massively scaling that brand, big reach through all the resources. I sometimes think a lot of people in the industry are, and even I can get caught up in this, we're concerned with, you know, knowing everybody in the industry and interacting within the industry. But I think you guys are really on mission with, serving the end user. So, you know, has your approach to content, media, brand creation changed over time as RP has grown? Yeah. It's interesting that you say some people are curious about connecting to others versus um, getting at the end user. Um, It might be important to connect with those at various phases of development. But, you know, at RP, we, as far as the science part of the fitness industry, the evidence-based part of the fitness industry is concerned, you know, uh, we know all of our peers pretty well, and uh, some most of them are technically our competitors at this point. So not a whole lot of connecting left to do for any kind of upside. Um, but occasionally, partnerships can be really awesome. As, as far as um, the kind of content we're putting out, uh, I would say it, um, a few things. One, the kind of content that we put out on RP uh, changes with time as the media more people consume are exposed to. For example, early on, we leveraged Facebook with a great deal of success. Then uh, the folks at Facebook decided to kill it off as an organic reach platform and replaced it one summer of 2016, maybe I think that was, with dog videos. (laughs) <laughs> and it was like a one, two week period where the algorithm looked completely different. I just saw nothing. So I used to follow, I like follow Greg Knuckles, Alex Viata, Alan Aragon. I used to read all the shit. And all of a sudden it was like dog video, dog video, dog video, cat video, dog videos. What the fuck is going on? So Facebook kind of shit the bed and we stopped doing as much on Facebook. Uh, just before that, we had, uh, through Nick Shaw's guidance is the RPCO, we had um, switched to doing a lot of Instagram stuff. And Instagram rocketed us so high up that now in 2022, we have 600,000 followers and that's cool. However, our Instagram metrics, these are quite public, are not that great because Instagram is not really a place for promotion anymore. Um, now, Instagram Reels is a place where promotions start to do a little bit better. Uh, and TikTok is the ultimate place for promotion, but TikTok comes with a very giant asterisk. Or maybe maybe not ultimate place for promotion, maybe tied for top two. I'll get to the, the last one in a sec. Um, the good thing about TikTok is you can go viral really fast and the just inherent virality of any one post you make is potentially, or even just regular, just much higher than anything. Like on Instagram, probably no one will see your shit. On TikTok, way too many people that shouldn't be seeing your shit will see your shit, <laughs> which is a really good thing if you're trying to promote yourself in fitness. Um, TikTok has one big Achilles heel. Uh, you can't really offer a whole lot of value in the 30 second, 30 to 60 second video. Uh, and there's not a lot of intellectual discussion that occurs in the comments. Um, so it's not a, not a huge opportunity for learning. And since 
our free content is not so much advertising, but a lot of learning. We don't really teach much through TikTok. Now we have an RP TikTok account that's growing. We have a Dr. Mike Isertel TikTok account, which is just a sampling of my YouTube shit repackaged. Uh, and that seems to be going very well, but I, there's a difference between being popular and being able to monetize. And at RP, we're very interested in monetization. Popularity with no monetization is an interesting thing because you have all the responsibilities of being popular. None of the benefits, seemingly, unless fame itself is a benefit, which it never was for me. So um, YouTube. YouTube is our new venture. Last year and a half, two years, two years, I guess, we've been on YouTube, gaining subscribers super fast, gaining a lot of traction. The really cool thing about YouTube, which um, sort of comports really well with RP, is YouTube videos are easily searchable and they're sort of permanent, right? The problem with Instagram posts is if you follow RP Instagram uh, and you you haven't been following it for a while, you are confused as to what the fuck we're going on unless we're talking about basic beginner stuff. And then if you follow RP Instagram and you follow us for a while, you're like, why the fuck do they keep posting basic beginner stuff? Because if you've ever seen an Instagram post, you will never see it again unless you can scroll through someone's feed. You know, like you uh, you stalk a new girl that you like and you scroll like 18 trillion years back into her feed and you're like, yes, like... And then, and then you click up, but the algorithm fucks up and you have to reload your Instagram and it just starts at the top and you're like, I can't, I'm not going to scroll another 18,000 times. It's not going to happen. So those, those, those photos are gone forever. And if they're informational posts like they are on RP Strength and my, my Instagram, they're also gone forever as far as we can tell. Facebook, you can actually search a little bit the post. Instagram is a total lost cause, right? And, and TikTok, I don't even know. <laughs> there's no way to search it on TikTok. It's all just like, what's new, what's new, what's new. And um, so that's a problem. YouTube is indefinitely searchable quite well. I say it's directly linked to the Google primary search algorithm. So you can find anything on YouTube with very, very minimal keywords and it gives you great suggestions. Another thing is big YouTube accounts that are fitness related by uh, algorithm, the suggestion box, which is like in TikTok, you don't really have one of those. In Instagram, you don't have a suggestion box. You can go to that special page where they're like, oh, accounts you might like. And now they're sort of shooting them in to your feed, but the YouTube recommended videos, I mean, fuck, man, you can't fuck with that. So if somebody sees something by Jeff Nippard and he's like, you know, muscle growth science and ours is like, oh, rest breaks, you could be like, oh, what's that? Oh, Renaissance. Oh, I like this. And so they're, they're always there. So we have what's called like in the industry, I think evergreen content, which is like, for example, we have a series called Hypertrophy Made Simple, which is like 16 videos, each about all the various aspects of training for hypertrophy, like rest times, weight on the bar, number of sets. Each one's a separate video. That series, anyone can find. We see continued amount of views just always go up. That series has been out for a year and a half, and the views still climb at a regular linear pace because when people always Google that stuff, and then when they find us, they go, hey, what videos should we watch? And other our followers in the comments, our subscribers would be like, watch these two, Hypertrophy and Strength Made Simple. They're amazing. And so what we end up having on YouTube is a way to deliver very intellectual, long-form content in the comments, interact with our user base. And in addition to that, have that content perseverate so that people who are new or have any question could go, oh, Dr. Mike, I love following him. Dr. Mike, can you make an injury, uh, a video on injury risk? What I do, if I'm answering questions, I go in and I Google old videos I've made on injury risk, old, I mean like a year, so all the shit is still valid. I drop all three of them in and go, hey, check this out. And they go, oh my God, thank you so much. And then people learn over time to just start Googling your shit first before asking you. And then they're like, wow, you're like a near endless wealth of information for free. Works out great for RP because we sell training templates. We sell diet templates and a diet app. 
subscriptions and a bunch of other products that if you really want to dig in deeper, you have to pay a little bit of money, but all the knowledge and learning is shared is completely for free. So it brings a ton of people in to learn for free. And we have no problem at all with people that come in for free shit and they leave without paying us a dime. Enjoy, enjoy, enjoy. Uh, you don't ever have to buy stuff, but if you want to buy some shit, Hey, we sell some shit too. That's like way more in depth because a lot of it, like I can give 18 lectures on how to design the perfect program which is cool. And if you're nerdy as fuck, you'd love that shit. But some people are like, look, like, like I'm nerdy or whatever, but I'm not going to just sit down and design my own program. Like, for example, I have like a, a recreational involvement in jujitsu. I like, I could like follow a few jujitsu guys and be like, wow, this is a really good idea. But I have a jujitsu coach. I have a fucking coach for a reason. So if I was following a jujitsu guy and I didn't have a coach, I wouldn't build my own jujitsu program. I'd message the guy and be like, can I buy one of your programs? Cause I don't, yeah, I know some jujitsu, but I don't know enough to really build my own program, even if you give me the principles. So a lot of people like that. YouTube, we've had great interactions on, and hopefully that continues to be a platform that's good. But uh, it, it just, um, so the last thing I'll say for folks listening is there is some correspondence between platform use and brand fit. Like depending on what your brand is like, like some people crush it on TikTok and great for them. Crush it in the, in the sense of they get a lot of conversion. They actually get lots of clients or people to buy their programs. But that tends to be a little bit more of the flashy side of the fitness industry, which look, of course that makes sense. But that's because TikTok is a flashy place, you know? And, and, and one thing just before people get super depressed and just people are so fucking nuts about shit. They, there's pessimism bias, but almost nobody knows what it is. Because humans are naturally more pessimistic on average than, than you should be if you're a realist. So a lot of people say like, oh, damn, this TikTok what a terrible thing. It's causing our kids to have brain damage and they can't pay attention, blah, blah, blah. Oh, yeah. Was it Sam Harris, every podcast he releases on YouTube is like three fucking hours long. Joe Rogan, you got um, a bunch of guys like that. Uh, Andrew Huberman, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Hour long, three hour long podcasts. Lex Friedman. And like that's on YouTube and gets millions and millions of views. So clearly there is the Internet has many sides. So does the fitness industry, and there are more intellectual sides. And if you're more in the long-term intellectual stuff, lean into that. And if you're more on TikTok, lean into that. What we've experienced at RP is like, it's a little difficult to lean into TikTok when you're like actually talking about brainy shit, but you can throw a little spice in TikTok and be like, hey, you guys want to learn more shit? Come over here to YouTube. And then they learn tons of stuff. Uh, so <clears throat> you mentioned Huberman. And actually, funny enough, I kind of wanted to bring him up. So I guess I, I don't like singling people out. And I'm definitely not one of these people that likes to police what people say. But I noticed Huberman is a good example of someone, at least from the perception I've been getting from some evidence-based people, that he's got a very strong air of credibility, but he has a tendency to cite research that and, and interpret it, to, to say, loosely at times. Now, I don't know. I tend to defer to you. You're literally one of the people I tell people, all right, if you're trying to figure out what's the general consensus on training or nutrition-based you know, research if you and a community of your peers are pretty much all saying the same sort of thing, that's generally really good for me because I'm not really great at reading the research. But in my impression, there are a tier of, quote, academics. And Huberman appears, you can correct me if I'm wrong, to be kind of drifting in this territory where they're often will say questionable things to the mainstream with interesting interpretations of the research. I find Rhonda Patrick is another really good example of this. And I'm not trying to criticize them per se, but they seem to be the types that Ah, I, I don't know if I really treat them as being really credible sources anymore. So what, like, thoughts on this entire phenomenon and kind of how to navigate, you know, people who are starting to, for lack of a better way of saying it, creep into selling out a bit. <clears throat> yeah. There's, a, I think, uh, a spectrum of individuals in the fitness industry that uh, you know, the spectrum can be the, the degree of liberalism or conservatism 
in uh, displaying their confidence with speaking about certain things and making inferences about them. Uh, so, you know, uh, you have some elements in the fitness community that I would describe as very conservative. Um, uh, Eric Helms and his team at 3DMJ, like, uh, unless there's a lot of literature reviews behind something, they often just say, you yeah, we don't know. Uh, now, of course, in their coaching work, they have to take educated guesses, and they do, and they're very good at that. They have a whole lot of nuanced discussion about how to make educated guesses. Um, so they're, they really do, they're not like sort of psychotically conservative and rule things out uh, saying they don't work, et cetera. But I would say they're a little bit on that conservative end of like, you know, until unless there's a good depth of research, they're like, ah, I don't know if I would recommend this to anybody. Uh, maybe you could try it, but like, you know, here's what we know works, do that instead. Uh, uh, I think Andrew Huberman potentially lies on the other end of that, on the evidence-based fitness industry, where I get my best value from him is seeing him as a hypothesis generator. Like, hey, here's a good idea to try. Now, here are the reasons, here's the research. And you could read through that and say, man, you know, that's very, very tentative. Well, okay, if something is not tentative, you shouldn't try it. You should just do it because it fucking works. <laughs> if something is tentative, then that's exactly what we should be trying. Like, that's the whole definition of the term try is like you may not succeed. So, you know, this is a lot of stuff about heating and cooling and saunas and all that stuff, a lot of Rhonda Patrick type stuff. Uh, in my view, Andrew Huben does not come across as uh, definitively sure of what he's saying as Rhonda Patrick was, but maybe I have misinterpreted that. Um, maybe it wasn't Rhonda Patrick herself that was saying all these super definitive things. Maybe it was the people that were following her. Because, you know, I, I tell you what, anytime I saw her on Joe Rogan, she's like, oh, like, this is a good thing to try and blah, blah, blah. And some of the things she said, I was like, eh. But some, she said it in a rather open-minded way. That's like, yeah, maybe it works, right? And I, I sort of, my research perspective is that it doesn't work, but it's okay if people try it. But then you look at some of her followers, if you criticize her, the YouTube commentators, they're like getting really explicit like recommendations she never made and saying this is the only way to do things that for sure works 100 percent. a lot of times they have a personal story to go with it so i'd say that you know if you understand that uh folks like andrew huberman are maybe potentially giving you just some ideas to try which maybe are not set in stone kind of the forefront type of shit then you understand that if you try them and they don't work don't be super upset because a lot of new stuff doesn't work but if you want sort of tried and true ideas that almost certainly work then i would read like you know like eric Helms' stuff and then you're going to get a very condensed amount of information that we know very high likelihood is true, but you'll have not a lot to say on speculative things because Eric Helms and his crew, to their credit, this is another very valid way of doing things. They're not so interested in speculation, I think. Um, and, and a lot of times I'm not. I, I would say RP lies uh, uh, much closer to 3DMJ than it does to like Huberman and Roger Patrick on that speculation uh, conservatism, liberalism side of evidence interpretation. It's actually another way of seeing it is uh, who is more likely to commit type one or type two error. <laughs> uh, but generally speaking, that is, uh, that's the thing. So I think there's a lot of really good people in the fitness industry that can really help us with a lot of stuff. Um, I just wouldn't uh, misunderstand who they are. Um, so if, you know, if you're looking, uh, yeah, I'd say this, it also depends on people's career. I remember, you probably remember Greg Knuckles back in his younger days, would make quite a few very, very speculative uh, articles and headlines. And they were all reasonable, but highly speculative. Like they had one guy who, who gained like 30 pounds of muscle in six weeks. I'm paraphrasing, of course. But it was this whole hubbub. It was all crazy. And Greg was like, hey, I think taking breaks from training can really boost your gains in the next cycle. And a lot of people were pissed. Um, but it was a fine idea. Uh, and it's totally cool to try. Nowadays, Greg, may maybe is my reading is maybe a little bit more conservative. Maybe because he got burned a few times saying, hey, this is the new cool thing. And it was like, no, and God, fuck. Like, I certainly am probably marginally more conservative than I used to be in some ways. In some ways, I'm much more liberal. 
like I used to think that, you know, compound heavy basics were the way to build muscle, no questions, no interpretation, but now I'm a bit more open-minded that as long as you provide an adequate stimulus, you can do a really good job. So I think at the end of the day, it's up to the intelligent consumer to kind of not be looking for uh, what I believe Thomas Sowell would call shibboleths, like um, definitely true things that I could really rest my hat on. They just don't exist in science. So all you have is a continuum of conservatism and liberalism and the liberal side of science is like maybe more often wrong, but also more often really right in unpredictable ways. Whereas the conservative side, you're not going to go wrong, but you're also maybe missing out on some things that work. And just knowing that you can sort of know like how much risk you're taking. You know, that's it. This, this is actually brilliant because this is kind of what I was looking for when I didn't know this is what I was looking for, kind of the assessment of it. <laughs> I suspect another perhaps good example is someone like Lane Norton, who I think in his earlier days was a bit more speculative. Things like, there's a second principle going on here. He um, says, Yeah, or metabolic damage is a, probably a really good one. Now, the, well, I'm going to come around to this idea, but there's also the tier of people who then take what people like Rhonda, Lane, various others say, and then parrot it and then twist it. So I don't know if Lane really ever endorsed, quote, metabolic damage. Certainly the tribe that were kind of following it did. And he based reverse dieting on it. It seems like Lane is pretty much, he, he reframed that whole discussion pretty quickly. Yes. And he seems like, and this is where I respect people, is if they're willing to move off of positions based on new information, right? But sure. I think that's probably a good example. of, And I think Lane is probably fairly conservative in those things more so now than ever. Yes. Yeah. Not only is Lane more conservative than he used to be, I think Lane has given himself a new role in the fitness industry. Maybe he's always had this role, but he's really leaned, leaned into it of late. And it's a, it's a very good role for Lane. It's a very good role that somebody has to play, maybe numerous people in the fitness industry. And that's kind of like evidence-based watchdog that's willing to say some mean things. But, you know, like um, we all have different personalities. Getting Eric Helms to be mean, difficult because he's like, you know, he's just really like, um, I think he's very attuned to kind of his psychic energy, for lack of a better term. I don't think he likes to have negativity spew out of him. I think it makes him feel bad. Um uh, I have a bit more of a bandwidth for that. Um, Greg Knuckles and Eric Trexler, they're just so mild-mannered. They're not going to go on Instagram and yell at anybody. This is not going to happen. Uh, and so, but, you know, there's a lot of charlatan fucking morons out there that just sell gobbledygook and fucking lie all the time. And it's great to have Lane shit on them all the fucking time. Thank God Lane's doing it, you know, because some people will say, well, that's not very good way to convince people. Well, it's not a good way to convince some people. And those people should be logging on to look at the more uh, kind of like, you know, nice work, nice approach by the, the guys I just mentioned and many other people in the fitness industry. But, you know, some people really do respond well to people being called out. They go, ooh, and then they read more and they go, oh, shit, Lane's right. This guy's an idiot. And it's good that Lane's doing that. And it's definitely, it makes him be more conservative because the easiest shit to shit on is the new fancy shit that all the fucking idiots are talking about that probably doesn't work and they should know better. There's a 5% chance it works, 95% chance it doesn't. Lane goes after them. Generally, that's pretty good work. And I think there's something important here too. A caution to the young coach who hasn't built up the career of credibility, capital, research, you know, free resources and, and long-form content that Lane has done, certainly what you and RP have done, who then turns around and makes their entire brand this sort of behavior. And I think there's also something to be said for, it's probably better, I'm always fine with people going after what I call verifiable charlatans, right? Whereas if people are just fighting with each other because they disagree with shit, which is commonly what's going on, especially if they're particularly nasty, I find it's just a socially acceptable way of bullying. 
Oh, sure. Um, you know, the degree of social acceptability is also in question because the people being bullied sure as hell don't think it's acceptable and, and their fans don't. Um, but there, there is a lot of like, you know, uh, you know, what Lane does certainly can be cataloged as bullying in many cases. But if you bully someone who makes 10 times more money than you, is it really bullying? I don't know. Certainly, if you're not physically bullying them, I think it's probably viewed by people as a different kind of psychological interaction, social interaction. Um, but but you're completely right, Andrew. Like, the, you know, at some point, you're just a person who talks a lot of shit. And then people Google you, or scroll through your profile, and they're like, oh, this guy seems like he talks a lot of shit. I don't know if he knows anything. Um, some people want to sound smart when they're talking shit, which is at least a good idea. But some people don't even sound smart when they're talking shit. They're like, this guy's just an idiot. They can't explain why they know why they're just not very verbal. Uh, and then it just means like, Oh, like you're just an asshole, you know? And um, I, I do, I do think it's funny. I've had recently, cause you know, I'm one of the quote unquote big dogs now. Right. And evidence-based fitness and like, Oh, I'm up there. So I've had a couple of younger folks or just folks newer in the industry maybe old and senescent, but now, but now awake, take like shots at me like well you you're just laboring under all these myths and i always say i always find it curious i always find it very funny i always love to engage with those people because they're like well you're doing this wrong or you think about this wrong like oh can you explain to me how this works and they're like well yeah it works like this and i was like you know i'll just list like one through seven variables they didn't consider and be like what do you think about these and there's almost never a response i want to be like you know guy there's a there's a chance you're going to catch me slipping it's not a very good chance certainly not in your case uh it is just funny when people come at you with just that negative energy and just not a whole lot of else it's like well, you know, you're going to talk shit to one of the top dogs. You better bring that heat. You better bring a lot of fucking research or some shit, some insight. You better have thought about it a long time because I didn't get to where I was by thinking about things for 10 seconds and being like, yep, I know everything. So it's just kind of funny, like that whole, you know, bite the big dog thing is like, yeah, like you had better have something behind you. In addition, I will say that this also happens when people uh, attack people outside of the evidence-based fitness sphere from the evidence-based fitness sphere from within it. And they're, of course, barking up the tree because a lot of the people outside of evidence-based fitness and regular fitness make, you know, order of magnitude more money, have an order of magnitude more followers. And sometimes when people bark at them, they clap back and say, well, what's wrong with what I'm doing? And they're like, they just repeat like trite generalities that may not even be accurate. Like, you know, like Doug Brignoli or something. He like recommends like isolation movements and sissy squats. And some people who clap at him or they're like, well, you should be doing compound heavy basics. And he's like, why? And they're like, does it work best? He's like, how do you know? And they're like, I don't know. It's just what everyone else says. Like, you're going to talk that shit, bring the heat. If not, then you're just like insulting people. And there's something you said earlier too. And it's kind of like with Helms, I don't have the mental energy to be in conflict a lot, right? I'm comfortable with confrontation when it's really something, it's a hill to die on for me, but I'd rather not be fighting on the internet all the time. I'm coaching full-time. I have growing online business. I've got all sorts of other stuff I'm trying to spend time on. The one thing I do not want is the distraction of trying to focus on the well-being of a client in front of me, worried about what some jackass is going to reply to on social media. So I personally try not to set those fires and start those kind of the battles. And I find that I'm my, I'm not an anxious person by nature, but I don't like the feeling of anxiety when there's some sort of brouhaha uh, when it comes to say social media. It's, I, I find it's wasted energy. Yeah, I, I totally agree with you. And there are some people that get quite excited at the prospect of an internet battle. I, in some of my moods, I'm one of those people. In other moods, I'm not one of those people. But what a lot of people, especially up and coming young coaches, have to consider is that while it is very fun to debate people on the internet, it may not be the most profitable use of your time. Also, the, the kind of energy that you're putting out into the world may be energy that people like to see or P energy people don't like to see. Here's a good example. So like Paul Carter, uh, you know who that is? 
and a pull. Yes. He, especially lately, for some reason, has been just so much negativity. Like anyone who asks him a question or just comments, he's like, you fucking idiot, blah, blah, blah. And it's a fine way to do things, right? But like, it doesn't leave a lot of people with the impression that you're the kind of person they want to trust. And like, if most people come away with your page, even saying, wow, that guy's pretty smart. She was, he sure is an asshole. They're not going to follow your shit and they're not going to tell their friends about you, et cetera, et cetera. Meanwhile, when you're nicer, you just offer advice. A larger fraction of people will say, hey, like this is a guy worth listening to. So, you know, maybe Paul's business model works for him. Uh, but uh, I think that in many cases, such a really antagonistic approach is probably not wise. Uh, and maybe a more balanced approach is wise or even an approach at the other extreme of where you're like, hey, check this out. This is what I do. I put out good content that I think is valuable. When anyone disagrees with me, I just say, hey, like you totally could be correct and I could be wrong. What, Andrew, what is supposed to say after that? Someone's like, hey, man, I think you're teaching the squat wrong. You're like, hey, yeah, I'm just trying to do my best. And you could even be like, what do you think I'm teaching wrong? They're like, well, your hip tilt at the beginning of squat's all weird. And there's no reason for it. Like, hmm, that could be something. I'll definitely give it some thought. And you're genuine. What are they going to do? Keep making fun of you? No, they're like, God damn it. I just signed the fuck yeah. out of me. And it's, it's about being charitable in your interpretation of someone's intent. Now, there are generally people who are malicious assholes and they will always exist. Sure. Guess what? You know how you deal with those people? You block them. You delete their shit. You get rid of them. You don't owe them the time of day. Right. Get rid of them or you're just nice to them. Or you're just nice to them. Well, you're like if you tell an incel, I see where you're coming from and I'll think about it. A lot of times they have no idea what to say after that. They just never say anything again. I've done that to tons of people. And it's genuine too. I'm like, I actually do think you may have a point. And you ignore the fact that the delivery was just super fucking vile because you know, they're just coming from a bad place. Like some people are just vile fucking people. And that, that kind of makes me pity them maybe a little bit more. Like it's kind of sad. You walk around all pissed all the time. Maybe I was the first person to say something nice to you or listen to you in, I don't know, hours, days, weeks, months, years. And it's nice. Now, some people are so malicious that if you're nice to them, they think they're winning or something. And then they really up the ante and start shitting it all over the place. And they look I have like, like a bit of a cutoff. Say that again. They, then they just look like idiots. Well, then they just look idiots, but I do have a little bit of cutoff. Like, I almost never block anybody. Um, I uh, The non, number one and potentially only reason I'll ever block anyone is because they are poisoning my feed by appearing in every comment section and just poisoning the well. Like, just talking that shit in a, in a non-productive, malicious way five times a day on every post. I'm like, you're out. Like, you just can't play, you know, can't wait to play. Like, as my wife would say, can't. Uh, play well in the sandbox like nobody wants to hear your bullshit my followers don't want to hear your bullshit so for them you're out but if you're genuinely engaging me and you're a piece of shit and you're a mean asshole but when i engage with you you engage back and then we squash it and then a couple weeks later you come up again no big deal some people just have that fucking kind of energy right little dick energy or whatever but uh that's cool but like you know if you're perseverative and you're just like also like you know trolls like there's like there's no room for trolling like he goes, one thing, you troll, you're going to be funny. Like, mm, Dr. Mike, you sumo, eat ass. Nope, that joke died in 2017. You're out. <laughs> you know, like, like, for trolls, I don't do, I don't block them or anything. I just don't acknowledge their existence uh, because, you know, but there's a difference between trolling and being serious about at questioning someone's technique. I swear to God, though, some people have no difference in those two things. And I can't tell. And maybe they can't either. You know, I don't know. So the, a lot of this stuff is actually circling the same sort of stuff. And I think it's actually really valuable for coaches. Because um, one of the things for up and coming coaches, I really try to diffuse their fears over people attacking them on the internet. I actually use you an example in some presentations where someone who shall go unnamed, you may or may not remember this, uh, saw a, I accidentally slow motion videoed a squat of mine. And so I posted up and someone came in who 
you know, things they know a lot more about biomechanics than they really do. And again, if you remember it, you ain't saying the name because I'm not pissing off that. <laughs> I'm not starting that crap. But anyway, okay. made up this whole criticism of what was apparently wrong with the squat. And I'm like, dude, you're making, you're imagining this stuff. And you and Dr. Sam Spinelli, who's a pretty smart guy, both came in and were like, no, everything's fine. There's nothing wrong with the way you're moving. And I use that example because the people in the industry like yourself, you're generally not scroll like scouring the internet to find new coaches saying something that's five degrees of sideways from correct. You're probably going to be more supportive and positive. There are people who just want to cause trouble, but I just don't want these coaches living in fear that, oh my God, Eric Christie's going to come. Eric is too fucking busy running the New York Yankees and raising his twins. Right? <laughs> sure. So, like, you should be so lucky. Yeah, exactly. Right. So I don't want coaches being afraid of this, put yourselves out there. And guess what? If you end up with a larger following and then you end up like getting sideways of somebody who's a little bit more well-known and malicious, let's say like a Lyle McDonald. Well, you know, like we're not going to get on Lyle, but he's done it to me once. And I bark back at him and he shut up and, and I never heard from him again, but you know, yeah. Okay. Those people exist, but there's no reason to be fearful about putting yourself out there. Now, what I was going to say was <clears throat> I've also noticed another trend. I saw you recently, you did a video about biomechanics stuff and when people are negative with negative energy, they tend to attract a tribe, a like-minded tribe. It becomes a, an echo chamber of just people who love the pylon. But I've also noticed that there are some really smart people in biomechanics, Kasim, uh, muscle doc, Jordan Shallow, uh, Matt Domney, Kyle Dobbs, guys from Compound Performance. But I've noticed there's sort of a tier of people who've latched onto this tribe of biomechanics and everything is biomechanics and everything is run through the filter of what the biomechanics says how to grow muscle. And yeah. I find that that tribe seem to make more extreme absolute statements. They tend to be more combative in comment sections. And yeah. have you noticed that same sort of trend? Yes, absolutely. And I think it's just the flavor of the uh, half year or flavor of the year. I think those uh, sorts of people come up and come down. So like at the at early close to its inception, uh, CrossFitters would attack everyone for not doing CrossFit. They'd be like, oh, these basketball players are so much better if they were doing CrossFit. I was a strength conditioning coach at the peak, at the zenith of this thing. And of course, knowing sport prioritization, we were like, that's an insane thing to say. That's fucking wrong. Do you not understand that energy systems are not all used at once in every sport? Of course, they didn't understand anything. They were just so goddamn psyched to be doing CrossFit. They just didn't know a lot. And it was going to be their one saving grace. And then after, CrossFit calmed the fuck down. And now that CrossFit's enormous and a huge money-making enterprise, CrossFit doesn't talk shit to anyone. And, and also, it's just two waves of gone by. CrossFit doesn't talk shit to anyone anymore. And also, nobody talks shit about CrossFit anymore. You'll get the, some guy in his 40s who like will make will be like, oh, man, next you'll be doing CrossFit. And it's like, hey, idiot. That was 2010. That joke was funny. 2012 was no longer funny. It's 2022, motherfucker. Like, eh, all right. right. CrossFitters are fine doing their own shit. They don't come after anyone anymore. So I think the biomechanics thing is like people latch onto something they really think is the key. And specifically, they think it's a very simple set of rules and systems, or even uh, I would say like sort of revealed wisdom from coaches that say, do this, not this. And they really want to believe in something true. And then if you, as a person of some kind of uh, elevated status, are not doing the things that these other people that I trust say is a good thing to do, I'm going to be like, yo, what the fuck? You know, like, why don't you do this? It's kind of like you grew up in a certain religion where you started a certain religion and you go to another culture and they're doing real, real different shit. You're going to be like, what the fuck? This is wrong. You, you may not have any ideas to even why your own religion says this is the wrong thing. And you may have misinterpreted the text in your own religion. You just have like a crazy pastor, or a crazy rabbi and he yells at you. And that's all you know. So a lot of the hangers on, I generally almost never uh, judge 
an individual or a set of ideas by who believes in them. That's actually, it's a fallacy. It's called the genetic fallacy. Like where you hear an idea depends, you know, judges the idea itself. Like, like, you know, we could have Hitler say, sets to five, build strength. Well, and as soon as he says it, that doesn't mean you're wrong. It's, it's still true. It's still true before Hitler said it, true during, true after. So what I like to do is judge the stuff on its merits. And like you say, there's a number of people involved. Coach Kasson has ruffled a shitload of feathers. A lot of people think he's a bad actor. He may very well turn out to be a bad actor. I wouldn't bet money on that. I've had numerous conversations with Kasson. I've been on the Revive Stronger podcast a number of times debating him. I debate him for two reasons. One, I think he's uh, a person who is very smart. Well, so three. One, I think he's real smart. Two, I think he's uh, coming at, uh, at most things in very good faith. He just thinks he's correct. And three, I think he's wrong. <laughs> Not often, but often enough for me to be like, I think that's wrong. And I'll go and debate. And that's just like good quality, scientifically spirited community. Now, do I think he's a bit over certain on some of his prescriptions? Yes. But he, when pushed, will say, hey, this is just a hypothesis, which is totally fine, right? Uh, people that follow him, some of them are very reasonable. Like, oh, I got this idea from Kaz. I'm going to try it. Great. Other people are like, uh, don't you know this is not how lats are trained? Guys, shut the fuck up. Like, you don't, you don't know how to smell biomechanics. Uh, and the, the worst is like, you know, Doug Brignoli's people, they don't even call biomechanics. They call it physics because it's like a marketing ploy, I think, because physics sounds cooler, like space shuttles and shit like that. But like anyone, like I've had a lot of people who have pissed off through the Doug Brignoli debates who come on the page and they go, you just need to learn physics. Be like, like what? Uh, quantum mechanics, electrodynamics, which one? There's a lot of physics going on. And like what you're talking about is mechanics, first of all. Second of all, you're talking about the biology part of mechanics, you're talking about biomechanics. You don't even know your terminology. They're just pissed. They have no idea why. They, they, they do have an idea why. You're saying some stuff that doesn't comport into their unbelievably simple model of optimality. And you're saying, hey, this is another good way of doing things. Like, but I just thought there was one right answer. And they're like, no, no, no. There's this whole rich spectrum of shit. And spe some people don't do spectra, particularly uh, religious-like minded people, right? Uh, not religious people formally, but people who are very dogmatic. They're looking for the fucking truth, shibboleths again. And when they find them in the biomechanics field, they just run and yell about them all the fucking time. Oftentimes embarrassing the very biomechanics experts that are espousing them. So a lot of times, since I think we're hitting on a few common themes, followers sometimes tend to radically misinterpret the views. Uh, we just answered a question on our uh, members only part of our YouTube, Jared Feather and I. And this gentleman had a very good question, but in his first question, he cited a researcher's recommendations, and then he cited unrelated. Second question was a fitness influencer's ideas, asking us to comment on the recommendations of the researcher. And the second one asked us to comment on the recommendations of the fitness influencer. Well, his reporting of the recommendations of the, of the, in the researcher, I know that researcher personally. I Googled the study right away. His report of it was erroneous. I'm not saying it was necessarily, I don't think he was purposefully trying to be erroneous. He just got the numbers off kind of by a lot. And when you fix the numbers in his analysis, it answered the guy's own question. Then he, part two of the question, or really just a second question was, what do you guys think of this other idea by this fitness influencer? Like, Sandrew, like, if you got the first part wrong, you reported this research wrong, how am I going to look at this fitness influencer's idea and assume that was really his idea and not just your idea, misinterpreting the fuck out of it or just blank slate making it up. I have no fucking clue. So like one thing I really don't enjoy is when people ask me the question, I really don't enjoy is an exaggeration. One thing I have a slight uh, interest and problem with is when people say, hey, what do you think about like, you know, uh, barbell medicine that say X, Y, Z about the stuff that you're doing? And I'm like, wait, 
I've never actually seen them say that. Now, I've seen them say a lot of things I disagree with and a lot of things I agree with. But I really, really like to see where they said that. And a lot of times when you find where they said that, it's way more charitable, way more nuanced. And you're like, ah. So a lot of times, like, the followers are the real crazy people. And they really just try to hammer shit home. And you got to step back a, a bit and be like, let's go to the actual writings of these people that these people are citing. And maybe even go all the way back to the primary literature and see what's really going on. Because you can get some really interesting perceptions on people's opinions when they're parroted three lines of parroting in a row. And then it's like broken telephone. This is why I like getting these kind of conversations going. Because I could have you talk about MRV, MEV, you know, all of this classic stuff that you have done extensively. People want to find that stuff, get into your books. Like, honestly, and I will plug your, your shit because I own several so much. books. I love this stuff. I wave you guys around on my media all the time. And we're talking off air. Hopefully we can arrange to get you guys back here in Alberta. I'll be there. I'll, uh, you know, I'd be thrilled to see your guys' team again, sit down and have dinner. Um, so I, I want everybody to get into this stuff, the media that RP is doing. And I appreciate the analysis early of how you guys are approaching your media and social media, which can be a little bit different. It's in a more mature cycle and phase of your brand development yes. than, you know, say a coach who's just a single coach business operating on their own. So that person is not going to have the bandwidth and quite frankly, the resources to be able to do all the things you do, but it's really insightful. And I hope everybody listening took a lot from kind of maybe interpreting some of the machinations of the interactions within the fitness community, because there's a lot of stuff that a, I don't think most people need to concern themselves with and B, especially if you're trying to figure out things like, again, you know, what someone like Huberman saying and then the criticisms of him is that's also kind of a reaction to, right. That's, that's its own thing. Right. Or if you're seeing what's going on with the biomechanics crowd and again, the tribe that seems to form around it, I think a really good rule of thumb is to just watch the tribe and the echo chamber that forms around an entity or a concept or even an individual and watch how that tribe operates. Right. And maybe be careful about not becoming, you know, someone who's dogmatic yourself. Yes. And I have one more really quick thing to add, if it's okay, please just look for information you think is probably true. And as you go through information and try to use it and apply it and think about it, if it seems to be ingrained more and more over time that, wow, I really do think this works, be a little bit more reliant on it. And if over time you're trying something and it seems to have more errors and misses than it has successes, then you say, yeah, I'm going to do this a little less or put a little bit more of my time into it. Like, you know, like some of the biomechanist people, they have really good exercise recommendations you can try, technique modifications, and you can try them. And if it blows your lats or rear delts away or whatever, you can be like, wow, that's great. It's another effective tool in my toolbox. But if you try them and they're like, meh, then like, meh, I don't know. Like, it's just maybe don't try them as often. Uh, but that still means they can come up with good stuff in the future. All that stuff about criticisms and vitriol and hate, really as a consumer of social media and oftentimes as a producer in the fitness industry, either looking to make good stuff or just get good stuff, just get good information. And it's going to come from a lot of sources. Now, if a lot of sources over time that you've been listening to have been providing really good information and they've been correct, I would lean more heavily into those sources. Like if I followed 3DMJ really early and they seem to be right on a bunch of stuff, I'd be like, yeah, these are go-to guys. Does that mean they're going to get everything right? Of course not. But that's going to mean they get more right than like, you know, some weird YouTuber guy. But that means weird YouTuber guy that have a really awesome kettlebell exercise to show you that you can use with a 45-year-old uh, injured soccer mom client. And that'd be great. So like, you know, a lot of times if you like, you know, somebody like Greg Doucette, he has a few gems every now and again in his videos, but a lot of his videos are just yelling about shit I don't understand. So I just don't consume much of his content. 
that doesn't mean he's the worst person in the world or he's terrible for the fitness industry. That just means like if you've built your base of understanding exercise science around Greg Gustav's content, like he's just insanely inefficient or you've got a lot of wrong answers. But that doesn't mean he's, you know, completely off limits to learning some really good stuff from every now and then. And so you have know, something to give. You've done videos with Greg kind of debating him as well, right? So you'll wade right into the pool yes. and, and actually like to his face kind of like, counter some of the things you say right you're not just quote sure. on the internet right and no you know, i don't like to do that yeah and in all the examples here you know some of the stuff i know the criticisms you've had of various people i know for a fact you've said the, these things to people's faces publicly and sure exactly right so anyway i'm <laughs> sure someone's gonna listen to this and be like oh andrew and mike said this about this like guys first of all don't do that because like that's again that's more like chinese telephone again but uh, ultimately, that's I okay, dude. Do it up. Feel free to do it <laughs> on my behalf. Like I, I, any any shit I talk in public, I'm fully prepared for anything up to and including a physical altercation with that individual. Like oh. if I think my my life would be in danger talking shit about someone, I just won't say anything. You know, like uh, you know, I think if I was in Russia and Putin was in charge, I wouldn't say shit about Putin. I think he'd get me killed. Fuck that. But if I talk shit about someone in evidence based fitness, I'm fully prepared for everything that transpires, including them finding me in the street and being like, you fucking piece of shit. How dare you say that? And I'd be like, I said what I said. And then I get punched in the face, knocked out. And then they beat me up. That could happen. I'm I mean, prepared for that. Being overly jacked does not necessarily guarantee you're great at, you know, martial arts, but I mean, you are a five foot six, 240 ish pound, relatively lean practitioner of jujitsu. So I mean, like there's probably not a lot of people who want a piece of that. Sure. But I'm sure there are people that could beat my ass. The thing is like, you know, if I'm comfortable saying something to someone uh, that I'm comfortable saying, I'll put it this way. I'm never going to talk shit about someone on social media or on video in a way that I wouldn't do it right to their face. Exactly. As a matter of fact, I'm much nicer on social media <laughs> than I would write be someone's face uh, because, you know, but then again, I'm almost never initiate anything. Uh, people talk that shit to me. I talk it back on social media. Someone's like, you're a cunt. You're a piece of shit. Dr. Mike. I'm like, wow, sweet. Like, fuck you. Then we're even right. But like, nobody ever talks shit to me in real life. That, that never happens. Nobody talks shit to anybody in real life. People are, you know, like that's all just social media balls. So, you know, it's, it's, it's all good in my book. You know, if you're ready to talk, we're ready to talk. So I'm going to have some fun now because my mom listens to all these things. She just loves them. So my mom is going to listen. Oh, jeez. And I'm like, mom, oh, I'm really boy. Sorry about this. No, it's all good. She's oh, great. for real. Sorry, mom. <laughs> <laughs> She's super. Uh, yeah. Like my mom loves the podcast. All right, Mike, uh, let people know where they could find you, man um youtube hey youtube's the place i did that's i spot it that way today uh renaissance periodization on youtube if you don't know how to spell that you are one of many millions that have no idea how to spell renaissance or periodization including myself then i would just google rp dr mike and it'll come up and youtube will come up and you'll see my what my mom calls handsome face and what objective research has ascertained as the ugliest person of all time you will see that and you will know hey that's dr mike and turn up the volume a little bit. Don't listen to me when your kids are around because I tend to swear on occasion. Sometimes I say things that are egregious and absolutely not for children's ears. Um, whenever I hang out with my sister's kids, there's always like five seconds where they like sit there and stare and I'm like, oh, I have nothing to say to these kids. I'm like thinking of the next thing to say. I'm like, nope, that has bad words. That has bad words. That's a bad concept. So I uh, enjoy uh, RP YouTube. And if you're curious about anything else, all the links in the YouTube will take you anywhere else you need to go. Awesome. Mike, always a pleasure. Anybody listening, especially if you're finding my stuff through uh, Mike's media for the first time, Mike's done a bunch of previous appearances. Go scroll back through it. And I've had James Hoffman on before. He's awesome. I got to get more of your RP people on. So, uh, but in the meantime, Mike, thank you so much. I appreciate it. Thanks so much.